The Patriot and the Preacher, where politics and religion do mix, starts right now. Here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to The Patriot and the Preacher. I'm Mark Anthony, your Patriot. This is Todd Coconato, the Preacher. We've got a lot to do. This is a big show today, Todd. We've been yes. trying to get David Barton on. He's He's been a frequent guest previously, and we're really glad and excited to have him come on. For people that don't know who he is, Tom Magazine called him America's historian. He has a collection literally in his basement that's second only to the Smithsonian for Revolutionary War and Civil War memorabilia. And he is going to sit down and talk with us about a lot of the misnomers that that have been circulating in the last four months. Yeah, David Barton is just uh, the best. I mean, when we told people he was coming on, I think he's gotten some of the most positive feedback that we've heard. People are excited. I'm excited. I think you're going to really enjoy the show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's one of those people, uh, I was telling a friend, that I could just listen to him for hours and pick his brain because he's a walking encyclopedia. And uh, so we're going to talk about a lot of these issues. We're going to talk about the founders. We're going to talk about... um, Francis Scott Key and who he really was. We've got some, we intentionally are asking things that are on the top of the mind of, uh, of the, the American people right now, mostly because as we're w- witnessing this right now, Todd, people are trying to rewrite our history. And I think it's important yeah. that we set the record straight. Well, these are the same people that identify as like, what is it, 36 different genders. And, you know, I'm not trying to bag or, uh, you know, but it, let's just be honest. If you can identify as a cat, then you can rewrite history, right? So sure. it's, it's the same spirit that's behind this, which is false. The enemy is always the counterfeiter, the devil, what I mean is the enemy. He's always counterfeiting. Look what he's done all throughout history is try to counterfeit the works of God, counterfeit truth. And that's what he's still up to, uh, Mark. He's still trying to counterfeit, and he's counterfeiting history. And people are buying into it, and it's a deception. So, you know, as we always say, this is spiritual in nature, but it's manifesting here in the flesh, and we have to counter it. Absolutely. That's right. He's the great deceiver, and he's coming to to steal, lie, and destroy. And and his lies are permeating throughout the culture. Um, They are. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's what's going on. And I, I pray more and more people wake up because we're very passionate about this because it's the truth. The biggest deception the enemy's ever pulled off is to try to convince us he doesn't exist. And that's what the Marxists that are here in America are trying to do. They're trying to convince us they're not really Marxists. They're not really communists. They're not really trying to take down our republic. But that's actually exactly what they're trying to do. That's exact. That's right. Amen, Todd. That's what they're doing. We're watching it unfold right in front of us. And we do need to call attention to it because we want, we want, we need this country to wake up before it's too late. And obviously, the election is important in so many different ways. But we all know, and we'll say this right now because it's the truth once again, that if if it should happen that Joe Biden comes into the White House on January twentieth, and they take the Senate, uh, this country will be no more. That's it. I mean, it sounds like a really big statement, what you're just saying there, Mark, but in reality, those that understand the complexity geopolitically, financially, all the different things that the Democrat platform are trying to do right now, I mean, just think of the Green New Deal. If they're able to implement the Green New Deal, that's trillions of dollars of extra debt. Our economy cannot sustain that. They want to give reparations, and, you know, it's 150000 or at least up to that of every African-American person. Now, you know, it sounds like a great thing, and I can understand why people would want 
it, but it's going to bankrupt for everybody. So no one's going to have any money. The dollar's going to lose all its value. So right. the, this is just a few matters of the icing on the top of the cake of all the different things the Democrats want to do that will absolutely bankrupt and destroy our country, not even getting into the Supreme Court, not even getting into the laws and all the other things, Mark. That's right. That's absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, it's another example, right? Socialism sounds good on paper, but when implemented, it destroys everything. And it, it destroys individual freedom and free enterprise, all the things that we stand for. And so, you know, the Green New Deal sounds great, but you're exactly right. We will bankrupt this country. We'll become Greece overnight. Yeah. And so yeah, and our, gonna... our adversaries, China, Russia, they're not going to tolerate. I mean, right now, the dollar is still the global reserve currency. They're not going to allow that to continue on when they see we're just printing money like monopoly money. I mean, eventually, there's got to be an end to this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And the end, look, we don't want to be part of their end game. That's, that's painfully obvious because their end game involves, as their leaders say, they want to burn the system down. And you should take them literally because they meet it. That's what, they, that's what they've been doing nationwide. We've been witnessing, Todd, what's going on in Portland. Federal troops have now just arrived in Seattle. There is, a, there is more unrest in this country than we have ever seen in our lifetime, ever. This far outweighs anything we've ever seen. So we have to wake up. We are going to be right back. We're going to be back to talk about some some uh, news stories that we think you'll find interesting. And then right after that, David Barton is joining us. So stay with us. This is The Patriot and The Preacher. Hey, everyone, it's Mark Anthony. I want to talk to you about my pillow because it's truly changed my life. I've had over seven spinal surgeries on my neck and back, and I've never been able to get a good night's sleep. But after trying my pillow, I'm getting the best night's sleep that I've ever had before. Trust me, my pillow has made a believer out of me. I never go anywhere without it. Look, this company has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow has an amazing offer for our listeners, and if you call 800-851-9287 and use the promo code MARK, you can take advantage of special offers on all of their products. Call right now, 800-851-9287 and use the promo code MARK. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Trust me, my pillow will make a believer out of you. And you know that jingle. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Don't forget to call 800-851-9287 or go to mypillow.com and use the promo code MARK. And we're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. Todd, I want to bring this uh, news story up first because I find it I've, I find it entertaining and also poetic justice at the same time. You know, the cancel culture is in full force. So if you ever speak out against anybody, you ever had ties to anything evil, you must be silenced. You must be canceled. And so um, there is a member in Congress who I really do respect. He's one of those people that um, always stands up for the truth. So Representative Louis Gohmert, um, he has a new idea. And so he's just introduced resolution demanding that the Democratic Party change its name or be banned from the House over its past support of slavery and the Confederacy. 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, going by their rules, going by what they have used to cancel culture, like you said, the Democrat Party is one of the key institutions in our country that has supported racism. So I think it's a fair sh- I think it's actually true from a from a historic standpoint. I mean, they should be canceled, right? It's, they, they absolutely should be. I mean, because that is the same logic of, you know, reparations. So yeah. people, you know, people today, alive today, had nothing to do with slavery. You and I never owned slaves. I don't know anybody that's been a slave. Um, and so literally, like, we should, this is the perfect opportunity to use their twisted logic on them. I think yeah. it's great. Kudos yeah, we got to start Luke. doing this, Mark. We got to yeah. start pushing back. And, and, you know, what we have on our side, and this is what I always say, this is what wakes people up. If you're listening and you're not sure right now, if you want to believe all the things that Mark and I say every show, let me just say this. We have the facts on our side. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between conservatives and patriots. We have the facts. We'll show you where it says this in the, in the, in the Constitution. We'll show you historically where this is. You know, we have the facts on our side. The Democrats just say a bunch of emotions and mm-hmm. cancel culture, like you said. They have no facts, Mark. No, they have no facts. They have no facts. And, and when you present them with facts, uh, I've always said this, it's like kryptonite to them. They fall apart, <laughs> they melt, and they go insane. Uh, you know, this is certainly, uh, it just happened to me on Facebook when I told somebody, that BLM is a Marxist organization. And I was told that that was my white superiority speaking. See, and then she used some other choice words, which we can't use on the radio, but that's just how they are. That's how they are. Well, um, yeah, that's, that's what they're trying to do now is they're justifying Marxism. They're justifying mm-hmm. killing babies after birth. I mean, I remember a few years ago, we talked about pedophilia being mainstream. We talked about, you know, after right. birth abortions, that it was coming. And people said, oh, it'll never get there. Just like taking away the guns. Oh, they'll never take away all the guns. Well, I heard Beto O'Rourke saying we're going to come for your guns. So this is what they want. They're, they're out. They're, they're just showing us their cards now. And right. they're, they're, what they want is scary. It's against our freedom our religious liberties and we have to stop it we must stop it we have to stand up you know after you listen to to david barton coming up you're going to see that those founders those 56 men did pledge their lives their fortunes and their sacred honor they stood up to tyranny and tyranny is here right now it's here we're watching it happen right now. It's at our doorstep. It's, I don't know if you saw that couple with the guns that were defending their property. I don't even, I think they were Democrats, honestly, Mark. I don't even know, right? Were they Democrats? No, actually, they're conservative because oh, I saw them on a, Yeah, okay. in, in the uh, behind them. Uh, in fact, it was kind of funny that the liberal media said they were liberals. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, I thought I heard that in some reporting, but you never can trust, I guess, anything they say these days. No, <laughs> no. For whatever reason, they said they were liberals, but they had. Um, a bunch of books from Trump and from Victor Davis, Davis Hanson in the background. Um, and the lawyer, the husband said, I think some of this is because I'm a Trump supporter. Yeah. I'm the only conservative on the block here. And it probably, I mean, I, I think I'm sure it is. And just so people understand and connect the dots, when we talk about George Soros, who's just pledged $250 million to double down on what he wants to do. He did in fact support that DA in that area. That DA is up for re-election, and now she's grandstanding. 
Wow. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how you can be defending your house and there's castle laws. And I think almost every state has, right. you know, where you can at least defend your house. I mean, that's why people have firearms. I mean, to protect their family, you know, mm-hmm. they hope they don't need to use them. Uh, most patriots, that's why they have them. They don't have them to go out and make, you know, do, do crimes and rob banks. They have them to protect their home. So here's two people. There's a mob coming down their street. They're breaking down gates. I mean, I can imagine what that's like. And they say, hey, we're going to defend our home. And now they're getting their guns taken away. I mean, it's just unbelievable some of the stories that we're seeing out there. And I think this should alarm everybody, everybody on all sides of the aisle. Yes, absolutely. Any, any true American, doesn't matter how you vote, but maybe it's how you vote is it really dictates how you're interpreting things. Because think about this, you know, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian excuse me, tongue twister is, uh, is gone full Marxist, Todd. Because yeah. think about this, the assault on um, our way of life. They, uh, here it is, nuclear family, science, and Christianity are all part of oppressive whiteness, the Smithsonian has said. Well, that, that's what I'm always trying to point out to people, Mark, is exactly what you just said, is at the end of the day, Christianity is where they're coming. They're that's coming right. for Christianity. And mm-hmm. you might not even be a Christian, but you know what? That, that, it still involves you. Because they're going to take away our religious liberties and freedoms, and they're coming. You know, we just saw Twitter ban the Star of David the other day. I mean, look, it, it, it's, they're coming to cancel you. Whether you haven't been named yet, they're coming to cancel you, and they're coming to your doorstep. I had a Democrat friend who lived in D.C. who told me that they came down their street and broke and vandalized their property. So, yeah. you know, they didn't stop because she was Democrat. They, they went to her property and destroyed it, too. And they're coming for you. They're coming for any American because they don't want our way of life. They don't want our constitution. They want order out of chaos and they're going to develop a whole new system with a whole new constitution, Mark, and it ain't going to be friendly for any of us. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not at all. And this is the way that's, I mean, you know, when you talk about Christianity, you and I have spoken about this so much, but when Newsom just shut down California churches indefinitely, uh, and you know several pastors that are doing outside services, but Oh yeah. How how is it? You know, we just saw Dr. Fauci throw out the first pitch at the Nationals game with his mask off in the stands. So he can be in the stands, but we can't assemble and worship our God. Well, guess what, Todd? Mosque, here's here's yeah. here's what's really interesting. They haven't shut the mo- the mosque down. Well, they I was going to say, I haven't heard anything about mosques. Yeah. yeah. And, and what about Walmart? No, you know, I mean, it's great. I'm glad that we can go shop, but we should be able to assemble too. I mean, when we're in Walmart hanging out with how many people are in one Walmart store? Thousands at a mm-hmm. time, probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, most churches aren't even that big in our country. So what is the problem and why is it that they're cherry picking and they're doing this because it's a control factor. They want to see who's submissive who's controlled because they have another plan, another layer of this that they haven't rolled out yet, Mark. And that's what I'm concerned about. See, they say it's just a mask or it's just social distancing until the next thing. And how far are they going to go? Is it going to be just a vaccine or is it going to be, you know, just, I mean, what's the next just that's coming towards us, right? Oh, it's kind of, yeah, that's right. Because remember in the beginning, this was just going to be a 14 day self quarantine. And here we are almost at the end of July and they're still shutting things down, and they're doing this on purpose. They're trying to, they're trying to take away our freedom to open, a, to keep our businesses open, and to do what Americans do. Um, you know, going along those lines, really quick before we uh, go to our interview with David Barton. Look, here's why we're in trouble, Todd, and here's why those snowflakes that are out there protesting 
for Antifa and BLM have no historical context. In Michigan, high schools and college, what's the most assigned text? Karl Marx. Karl Marx. There we go. So that's why we, it's really hard to talk to the younger crew because they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, we are going to be right back. Coming up is David Barton. This is the Patriot and the Preacher Show. We'll be right back. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me, and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much, and it has been an honor to have you on the show. Welcome back to the Patriot, the Preacher. We are excited to have a guest join us that is a regular guest of ours. He is called by Time Magazine, America's Historian, and he certainly is, David Barton from Wall Builders. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you back, David. David, with all that's going on, we want to kind of walk our listeners through so much of the knowledge that you have. So just to start off right now, talk to the listeners just as much as you can, and I know you can, about our founders and the courage and conviction they displayed during the Revolutionary War. Well, it's you know interesting you say both of those words, courage and conviction, because it's hard to have courage if you don't have conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were willing to put their lives on the line and put their families and put their, their reputations on the line in a way that very few of us today would today. Um, they went into it eyes wide open, knowing that there were 56 individuals, most of them uh, having no great type of assets the way we would think of today. There's 56 guys that represented school teachers and, and university presidents, and uh, there were farmers, and, and there were shopkeepers, and there were sailors and others. And they said, hey, why don't we take on us 56? Let's throw our, our, our individual assets together and take on the greatest military power in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody do that today. We couldn't get 56 Americans today to, to agree to overthrow Haiti, you know, and that, that's certainly not a great military power. Right. So 56, 56 guys did that, knew what they were doing, and as a result, at the end, 10 of those guys did not live to see what they wanted everyone else to have. 17 of them lost everything they owned, their possessions. Three lost uh, family members, wives, sons, et cetera, uh, to, to British. So it, it was a rough time for all of them. And uh, quite frankly, um, they, they went into it eyes wide open. On the day they signed the declaration, there was a great account given by one of the signers, Benjamin Rush, writing to John Adams. And he said that they were all being called up to the table to sign their names. And Charles Thompson, Secretary of Commerce, w- would say things like, uh, he would say, John Hancock, Massachusetts. John would go up and scratch his name on there. And then he called for George with Virginia. When they got around to Elbridge Jerry, Elbridge Jerry was at the table. And Benjamin Rush said it was deathly silent. They all knew that they were signing their death warrant, is what he right. said. So right. we all knew that we were going to be killed. And he said that as, as Elbridge Jerry was about to bend over and write his name on there, that Benjamin Harrison of Virginia interrupted and had something to say. Benjamin Harrison is a very large guy, huge guy. He's powerful. He's strong. They said he could pick up a barrel by himself, a loaded barrel. And Elbridge Jerry barely weighed 100 pounds. He's a tiny, little, frail guy, skinny. And so as Elbridge Jerry has that quill in his hand about to scratch his name on the parchment, 
Uh, Benjamin Harrison says to him, well, Mr. Jerry, I shall have a distinct advantage over you when we're all hung for what we're now doing. He says, from the size and great weight of my body, I'll die in a minute or two, but you'll dance in the air for an hour or two before you're dead. <laughs> and it's like they knew exactly what they were getting into. That was the comment made when they signed. So they, they really did go in it with eyes open and did remarkable things, even with the, the price they paid. Yeah. Yeah. It was an incredible price. They all paid, you know, the last time you were on the show, you brought up, uh, brought up, a. A really interesting fact. How many times during the Revolutionary War did the Congress call for a National Day of Prayer, David? Interestingly, in the in the Revolution, the, the federal, or I can't say federal, it was national at the time. It wasn't federal yet. The National Congress called the Nation of Prayer 15 separate times. Uh, eight of those were fasting, humiliation, and prayer. Let's really get serious about this. Seven were times of Thanksgiving. Um, but interestingly, the governors joined in as well. Governor John Hancock called Massachusetts to prayer 22 occasions. And so as you go down and look at the governors, et cetera, um, there was so much prayer that by the time you get to 1815, there had been 1,400 government-issued calls to prayer by 1815. Wow. So it, it was a big deal to them. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. We, we're so thankful for what you're doing with wall builders. And uh, uh, as a pastor, I'm going to ask you some pastor questions, if you don't mind. Uh, but there's a lot going on in our country, as you know. And uh, one of the things that we're seeing, first of all, is this embrace of communism, which is very scary. And uh, maybe you can touch on that when you, when you, when you can. But uh, a lot of Christian pastors, I'm talking to a lot of people in California right now, and uh, they're, they're, they're asking me, you know, they're feeling compelled to, to basically uh, exercise civil disobedience. Uh, because of the draconian, tyrannical orders. I'll give you an example. Uh, about a week or two ago, uh, the governor in California said they can't sing worship in the church services. Now the churches aren't even meeting again. They've gone back to this lockdown. What do you suggest these pastors do, Mr. Barton? You know, I talked to a group of pastors in California and said, hey, you know, First Peter 2 and Romans 13, we're supposed to submit to authority. And I said, uh, guys, the authority is the Constitution of the United States. That's right. Your elected officials took an oath to uphold that authority. If they're violating that authority, you don't follow unjust laws. Mm. That's what we have in Acts 4 when, when the apostles turned to the, the, the civil leaders and said, well, we have to obey God or man, and we're going to choose to obey God. And so God has declared the church to be an essential service, regardless of what Governor Gavin Newsom or anybody else says. It is an essential service. God has ordered that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God has ordered that we lay hands on the sick and pray for them, and that we baptize people, and that we go visit the, the, the needy and the homeless. God's the one who said that. And if a governor comes up and says, I'm not going to let you do that, do we obey the governor or obey God? Well, if you choose the governor, you don't know the scriptures very well. Um, Hebrews uh, 11, our faith hall of fame, is loaded up with, with people who are there because they committed civil or they committed civil disobedience, and they're there. And whether that's the the, the Hebrew midwives and Pharaoh says that you you kill all the Hebrew boys under two, ah, no, we don't think we'll do that. I mean, they're there. You, you, you've got people like Daniel and, and so many others. So uh, I think that that what's happened is, in a lot of ways, we don't even know our own documents, our own history, or the Bible. Right. Um, because the civil authority is not the government. It is the Constitution. That's what they take the oath to uphold. And I think pastors really do need to show a little more backbone and leadership. Um, and i got to be careful how I say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, the difference, this is the difference between being a hireling and being a shepherd. Yes. Because Jesus says uh, a shepherd sees the danger coming and throws himself in front of the flock and takes on the danger himself. 
a hireling sees the danger and backs away from it. And we've got too much backup in our system going right now rather than charging forward and standing for what's right. Right. Yes, sir. And, you know, you are a tremendous historian, and I know you know history, not just in America, but other places in the world, like China and uh, what happened in Germany. And uh, what we're seeing here, I'll give you an example. So I'm out here in Nashville, and I went on the neighborhood app, right? And I asked the question because uh, some of the churches aren't gathering out here still. I said, you know, let's throw a good old-fashioned revival in a tent gathering, right? Might be What a great idea, right? And my friend Sean is doing this up and down in California. So he's going to come out here and join us and lead worship. And so we're all excited about this. There is Democrat operatives, this blew my mind, that are on this site that started saying, we're going to target you. They went onto my Facebook, and they found out that I'm a conservative Christian pastor, and they said, we're going to let everybody know in the neighborhood who you are, and you know, we're going to single you out. They're doxing pastors now, and this is very eerily uh, reminiscent to me of what happened in some of these communist revolutions. Can you speak to that, Mr. Barton? Yeah, and, and this is, again, our, our lack of courage in so many areas. Um, and and I, again, I've got to be careful I say this, but we've become more afraid of man than of God. Mm-hmm. And we, we would in, in previous days say, you know what, I'm going to stand before God as someday. He's the great judge of the universe, and I would rather have him pleased with me than have him unpleased with me. And so I don't really care who they dox and what they say, and yes. I'm not going to back down. And by the way, if we want to play their game, instead of calling it a tent crusade, call it a tent protest. Bring, right. bring hammers <laughs> and bring other things. And, you know, just, just, we're, we're going to have a protest in the tent, and then Jesus shows up. So, But wow. nonetheless, we, I think we have to stop being afraid of man and being afraid of being docs and what they're going to say about us, and they're going to target us, and they're going to come after us. And, you know, I, and we answer to God more than man, and, and we have to get that fear of God back in a very real sense. And I'm accountable to God more than him, and I will not compromise. I will not back down. I'm not going to stop saying what's right because they're louder than anybody else right now. And what what we see in America is we have allowed uh, a very, very small minority right. to become the loudest voice. And I was shocked last week to see two pieces of polling information. We do a lot of polling. We commission a lot of polls. We're in a poll, and I've written books with national pollsters. And what we saw last week was only 10% of Americans want to take down statues they disagree with. Mm. Now, I would never have guessed 90% were on our side with that, the way I, the media is, and I don't care whether it's Fox or CNN, you still get the impression that it's a 50-50 split in America right now that right. we're really polarized. Mm. And then I saw all this stuff to take out police departments, And I saw that the single group that objected most to taking out police departments were African-Americans. And I I thought that Black Lives Matter was the voice for everybody and that that they're the ones who – no, no, no. I I mean more than whites, more than Hispanics, African-Americans do not want to see the police departments go. So I'm saying why are we being driven by fake narratives here just because they're louder? You know, there's more coverage on it. And at some point, we have to get a hold of our convictions, stand for our convictions and say, I really don't care whether you like me or not. That's not the point anymore. I'm going to stand for what's right. And that's the kind of backbone we need not only from pastors, but from individuals all over America who are getting doxxed, who are going silent because they're being criticized. And as a result, the 10 percent looks like it's a 95 percent. And that's really the way that we've lost other nations is a really loud Mm. minority intimidates other people into thinking that they're the weird ones. And then before you know it, the minority has the infrastructure taken over, and then they have the power. And once they have the power, they can eliminate their opposition. And that's kind of what we're playing with right now. And that's what history shows. David, before I get to the next question, just because I want the listeners to hear this one more time, how many times since the founding of this nation up until 
the 1800s. How many times again did we pray, call for prayer in Thanksgiving? 1,400 times at the government level. Now, there were more than that with the church thrown in, but 1,400 times. By 1815, there were more than 1,400 government calls to prayer by 1815. Yeah, so that, that just speaks volumes of, uh, of how far we slipped away because all of a sudden prayer is called hate speech and our beliefs are hate speech. So let's go to something that will explain for our listeners where we are, why it is that uh, a certain group of the population, millennials and, and younger, do not understand our history. You have a very clear understanding of what's been going on in our schools. When we've talked about in the past, you've kind of pointed out in the AP history exams what they gloss over, oh, yeah. what they leave out. Yeah. So give the listeners an understanding because, you know, the founders were racist, we're an imperialistic yeah. nation, on and on and on, just so that they understand where their mind frame is really coming from. Yeah, it's uh, great points. Um, I, w- right now, I just stepped out. We're in the middle of a teacher training conference with history teachers. We do this throughout the summer, training history teachers, and they have the same difficulty because they are given curriculum. They they don't necessarily know the background. So with the AP history standards that came out in 2014, um, AP history um, was taken over largely by David Coleman, who is the, the architect of Common Core. And so he runs the college board, which produces the 47 AP history curriculums and tests. Um, when you got to World War II, and we, we use this for teachers to show them, in World War II, as you get to World War II, you have Japan, you have Hitler, but it doesn't say anything about Japan or Hitler. There's no Pearl Harbor. There's no D-Day. There's no Holocaust. There's no Nazis. There's no, but what it does say is America had segregation in the military. America dropped an atomic bomb on Japan. America interned Japanese Americans. This raised questions about American values. Oh, my gosh. All you've done is show four bad things about America, and you didn't mention the Holocaust. You didn't mention the 10 million Chinese slaughtered by the Japanese. You didn't mention the sex slaves that took out of Korea. You didn't mention the 3,400 suicide bombers trained as young people to liberate you. All you did is show, so you can literally read the AP history standards and believe that America is the only bad nation in the world in World War II. Uh, They do that throughout other areas as well. Now, some of that was changed after a huge outcry in in 2014. They now do at least mention the Holocaust, but the rest of it is still, America is still the bad guy. So that's, that's an example. The same thing, just had a professor in a debate say all the founding fathers were slave owners and racists. Really? So what about John Adams? Yeah, he was one to John Adams. Yeah, he was one. John Adams never owned a slave and said, I hate slavery. Ah. Well, I mean, I know about John Adams, but the rest of them, really? Well, how about Sam Adams? And, you know, we start going through one after another, and you find out that 75% of the founding fathers were anti-slavery, that they started the first abolition societies in America. And it really screws these guys up when you point out that the first Law banning the slave trade in America was American passed in 1807, signed by a founding father. No nation in the history of the world had banned the slave trade till we did in 1807. And by the way, when we abolished slavery in 1865, we were the fourth nation in the world to abolish slavery. They act like slavery has always been an evil from the start. No, no, no. We were one of the forerunners in that fourth nation in the world. Today, there are still 94 nations that have no laws banning slavery. There are 40 million slaves in the world today, and you want to gripe about America, who was the first in the world to ban the slave trade and the fourth in the world to ban slavery. Come on, guys. So that's what we 
out to teachers. You know, it's just they don't have a clue. And, and but once they get it, they'll go back and teach their kids because this is not in textbooks anymore. In groups like David Coleman, College Board, others that write curriculum, it, it really is pathetic. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Barton, we're we're only months out now from what could be one of the most, if not the most important elections in our nation's, uh, you know, history and uh, very, very different views of our future uh, from the Democrat platform yeah. to the to the Republican yeah. side. And, you know, can you lay that out for Christians, the importance with the Supreme Court, with all the different things that are going to happen as a result of this election? Now, I'll, I'll point out that God built the most successful nation in the history of the world. When he, when he built the Israel nation, they'd been slaves for 400 years. They didn't have a clue what government looked like or how to have one. They'd only had pharaohs. And so he gets in the wilderness and says, okay, guys, here's how we're going to do it. And he gives them 613 laws. They're laws dealing with immigration, with economics, with military, with foreign affairs, with education, with family, with morals, with everything. And they became the greatest nation in the history of the world using those laws, which deals with every issue a nation will ever face. So we have that today, a presidential campaign of a Republican Democrat platform are going to deal with 40 to 60 issues. That's great. God had 613, but he did say, hey, guys, here's my top 10. I do have a priority list here, and he called them the tenor of his law in Exodus 34. So the top 10, when God looks at the nation, says, here's what I'm concerned. About. I don't want you shedding innocent blood. Don't murder. I think abortion fits that one. Mm. He says, I am the Lord thy God. Well, that's open acknowledgments of God. That's conscience protection. Hey, that's a big deal. We're having conscience protection right now with cases that say, if you're a baker, you've got to bake this or serve these people. or whatever. And we're saying we can't say God at graduation, et cetera. So that's a big one. And then he says, hey, by the way, I want sex confined to a man and a woman in marriage. I, I don't want adultery. Well, that's a definition of sexual morality, and it's a very clear definition that sex is confined to a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. So now we can bring sexuality, LGBTQ, into it, and then we can look. At, we can go through all this stuff. Isaiah one twenty six. He says the righteousness of the land is determined by the judges in the land. Mm. And I'll point out all the culture where we have now came not from legislatures; it came from judges who redefined marriage, who told us abortion is fine, who said we can't pray in school. Judges is the biggest thing to me out of all the priorities. And so, and by the way, people may not be aware today as a result of decisions in the last two years by the Supreme Court, Americans today, Christians today have more religious liberty than we've had in over 70 years. We have seen the court reverse itself. There have been religious liberty expressions restored that we haven't been able to do for 70 years. None of this really makes the media uh, we have greater freedoms today, and that's as a result of new judges. We have 200 judges who have been appointed. I, I know a lot of these guys. I've actually trained several judges. Wow. These guys that we have now are more constitutionally oriented and more God-freedom-oriented than any we've had. We're winning cases we haven't won in a long time, even at the Supreme Court. If we have another four years of getting 200 more constitutional judges, oh, my gosh, we will have a different America going forward. We'll actually rediscover the Constitution, rediscover liberties we have lost for 50 years. So there's a lot of issues. Everybody ought to read the Republican platform and the Democrat platform because it tells you where they are on these 60 issues. Um, the, the Democrats are wholehearted. They've never met an abortion they didn't like, including infanticide. That's a real problem with the Ten Commandments. 
Uh, they don't like traditional marriage. They don't like Christians. Uh, you know, they, they fight us regularly on the Christian expression. Republicans are at least friendly and even advocating the right direction. They take a firm stand for marriage as a man and a woman. There's a lot of differences, and, and you're going to get that. You're choosing players on a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team, and the playbook's going to run that team. So while you might have an individual member who believes differently, they're going to run by the team's playbook, and that's the platforms, and that's why every Christian should look at those platforms. Absolutely. This is an important question because it's being done and it's, and it's, it's been done in the past, but right now explain to the listeners why this prevailing attitude to judge our history through the lens of today. And why, why is that so dangerous? Well, let, let me take a good example out of the Bible. We are told in Genesis six, nine, that God chose Noah to save the world because Noah was righteous. That's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. except that's not where the verse stops. The Bible says Noah was righteous in his generation. You see, Noah had a problem with public drunkenness. And right. You can read that in the Bible in Genesis mm-hmm. 10, etc. If we looked at Noah today, we would have real, real, real trouble with Noah, um, but not then, because at that time, everybody was murdering and raping and killing and stealing so much so that God said, I'm going to wipe you all out, except Noah. He's the only righteous guy I got. Well, that's in comparison to where everyone else was. So you can't judge people by the standards you have today. For example, we're often told that the, uh, the Puritans, they, the Puritans were really an intolerant people because they had 15 laws that brought the death penalty. Yeah, when the, Pil- when, when the Puritans left England the year before, they left a country that had 223 death penalty laws. They reduced it from 223 to 15. That's a big step. Now, if you want to say 15 is more than we have today, we only have the death penalty for two or three things today. They were intolerant back then. Oh, my gosh, they were so far ahead of the rest of the world at that time. And so what you have to understand is you have to judge them where they were in their generation. I I use Columbus as a great example. He's a genocidal guy. Yeah, do you know who he killed? He wiped out the cannibals that were wiping out the other tribes in the Caribbean. He, he did commit genocide in that he wiped out a tribe of cannibals. Now, if you think cannibals should be preserved, then you should really gripe about Columbus. But if you like the fact that we don't have cannibals in the Caribbean today, you can thank Columbus because the other native tribes thank Columbus. That's why 600 monuments were erected to honor Columbus. But if you don't want to remember what the culture was like in that day where cannibalism was common, which is no co- not common anymore, and you want to judge Columbus by today's standards, you might have trouble with it. So it really is important to understand where we are now. And these people who want to cancel, I think there's going to be a day when, when the world's going to look back and say, how barbaric was America that they had abortion? And these yeah. kids are all going to get canceled who are pro-abortion, not understanding that standards will change and improve across time. We've come a long way over the last several thousand years in the right direction. We're not there yet, not perfect. But my gosh, you have to be judged by how far you bring the, the nation, the people in the right direction while you were alive. And that's yeah. the judging standard. Absolutely. And that's a great example because according to the uh, protesters, not the peaceful ones, the rioters, the looters, Christopher Columbus was a form of white supremacy and oppression. That's what they're saying now. They're, they're taking down his statues and everybody else yep. for that matter. So, David, uh, bringing back to present right now, all of a sudden, the star-spangled banner is a form of oppression and white supremacy. And uh, so now we have to take a good look at whether or not we're ever going to play that again, because unfortunately people are offended by it, but they really don't understand the story behind it. You know the story. uh, And from your lens is a historian that just 
understands the concept. And so is the Star Spangled Banner a form of white supremacy and oppression? Um, You have to understand the objection to the Star Spangled Banner is in verse 3 where it talks about the hireling and the slave. Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner, all four verses. Most Americans only know one verse. The protesters and the dissenters point to the third verse, the hireling and the slave. And they say Francis Scott Key was racist. He wrote it as a racist anthem. It is a racist anthem. And therefore, the Francis Scott Key Memorial in Baltimore, the Francis Scott Key Memorial in, in Golden Gate Park, they've all been defaced and torn down. Francis Scott Key's got to go. Interesting thing about Francis Scott Key is he was the, a leader of the national anti-slavery movement. He was the best and most famous attorney in Washington, D.C. in his day. He was actually the district attorney for Washington, D.C. He led – he – Pro bono took on several hundred cases where he freed slaves and argued for freedom. Several hundred slaves got their freedom from him. He argued for slaves so much, the newspapers called him the N-word lawyer. They called him the N-word lawyer because he was so much on the side of slaves and the oppressed. Mm. So when he wrote the third stanza of the Star Spangled Banner, he was talking about how Great Britain is promoting the hireling and the slave. He's not talking about America. He's talking about this is what I saw the British do. You see, the British promised freedom to the slave in the American Revolution. A hundred slaves went and joined the British so they could be free. The British didn't free them. British kept 95,000 of them enslaved after promising freedom and getting them away from American owners in the Deep South. And then they're, they're practicing slavery again, taking Americans and enslaving them. Francis Scott Key is one of the most anti-slavery guys you'll ever have. And his name, his nickname was a pejorative based on that. And today these guys think, well, he's a racist. His statue has to come down. He used the word slave, which proves he's a racist. Oh, my gosh, you know nothing about what you're talking about. Right. And this is the soundbite generation where we have a virile reaction to words without even understanding what they mean. And the perspective of that verse, because what, he, what you just explained was that he was talking about the Great Britain. He wasn't talking, he wasn't glorifying slavery whatsoever. And he's, a, he's the farthest thing, obviously, from what you just said for, as a racist. He's not, he wasn't a racist at all. Um, yeah. He, he was on the wrong side of that issue in a place that was very pro-slavery at the time. Right. Uh, and, and that's why they called him the names they called him, and he still didn't back up. And he did these cases for free because that was his heart and conviction. He didn't charge for these cases defending slaves and freeing slaves. That, that uh, was his heart's conviction. Amazing. David, a couple more questions because I know you've got to get back to this conference. This is, we asked our listeners to, to chime in, so I just want to make sure we get a couple of these in. Explain to the listeners why, during the ratification of the original Constitution, why slavery wasn't addressed at that point. Yeah, uh, slavery was addressed first in 1776 uh, in the Declaration of Independence. In fact, the second largest grievance in the Declaration of Independence dealt with the issue of slavery. And Thomas Jefferson wrote it. He penned it. He pointed out that black men, black people were men. They were equal. All of that is by Jefferson's own hand in his writing. You can see it online. And people say that can't be Jefferson owned slaves. He sure did. But the state of Virginia would not allow him to free his own slaves. He is the guy who passed. He he signed the first uh, law prohibiting the slave trade. He worked actively with anti-slavery societies. So Jefferson in 76 did that, but it did not appear in the final declaration. And Jefferson lamented that. He said South Carolina and Georgia both said, well, we've never had any desire to end slavery. That's not something we want to do. 
And the declaration required that everything put in it be 100% unanimous. So even though 11 states were on that side, two weren't, and it got taken out. Mm. Now you get to the Constitutional Convention, and at the Constitutional Convention, the issue comes up again. The northern states, they want to end slavery. Virginia and guys in Virginia like George Washington, George Mason, and George Witt, they want to end slavery. But again, you've got these states that say, if you guys end slavery, we're not going to be part of this United States. And they said, well, we really do have to have a unified nation or we won't be able to exist against Great Britain and other powers. So, okay, well, let's, let's make an agreement that 20 years from now we'll get rid of slavery, which is why they put 1808 in the Constitution. And even the southern states say, yeah, we think by 1808 we can, we can be free of this. We'll, we'll be willing to let go. Just give us some time. And so that's why it did not get banned in there. Now, people often say that the three-fifths clause in the Constitution is a pro-slavery clause, that it says blacks only worth three-fifths of a person. That's absolute nonsense. That, that three-fifths clause was something that the South objected to because it took power away from them. Those up north said, you guys in the South, like Georgia and, and South Carolina, you have more black slaves than you have free whites. And you're wanting to count those slaves to get yourself representatives in Congress because the Constitution says every 30,000 members you have in the state, you get a representative of Congress. And you're going to use all those slaves to get a whole bunch more pro-slavery reps in Congress, and we don't want that. And so what they did was said, we'll let you count three-fifths of the slave population, which means you now have to have 50,000 to get a congressman rather than 30,000. Up north, we get a congressman for every 30,000. Down south, you don't. So if you want to get more congressmen, what you need to do is free your slaves. It was an anti-slavery provision put to penalize the South for slavery. Wow. The three-fifths clause gave the anti-slavery side more representation, the pro-slavery side less representation. And people today say, well, that's anti that says blacks are only worth three-fifths. No, no, no. Frederick Douglass even said, I used to believe that. I read the Constitution, saw that was an anti-slavery clause in the Constitution. Frederick Douglass himself discover that by reading the constitution so that's that's another side with the constitution constitutional convention they went as far as they could again the overwhelming majority wanted to end slavery they just couldn't get the, the unanimity that they needed at that point to, to be a nation all right david thank you so much that is such a great explanation i've enjoyed hearing everything that you've said today thank you for informing not just us but so many people every single day how, uh, one last question, is, are you, do you have an optimistic view of the future of the United States, or how are you seeing our future right now? I, I do have an optimistic view. Um, I am finding the young generation much more winnable than people imagine. People are throwing up their hands and walking away, but I am finding these guys come be, become crusaders and warriors. And I'll tell you anecdotally, uh, as we do these, these sessions summer, two weeks at a time with young people, 18 to 25, every single time we've done that, we get word back from these kids where not only have they changed, they've gone back and actually converted professors because wow, they start wow. asking their professors <laughs> the same questions. Yes. And the fact that they're becoming social justice warriors on the right side, there even taking on their professors and converting their professors, I'm loving it. So I have high optimism, but we have to engage in this, not, in this election. We're yeah. this election the Lord wants crucial. to move. Yes, the yeah. Lord wants to move in our nation. We're praying for revival, a great awakening. And uh, we could just listen to you all day, Mr. Barton. But uh, how can we find you online? How can we support what you're doing? Wallbuilders.com is the place to go online. Also, information there. People find books, initiatives, what we do with these programs and other things. Wallbuilders.com. Beautiful. David Barton from Wall Builders, thank you so much for joining us. we got to have you back soon. And thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Appreciate what you do. Bless y'all. Thank, thank bless you. God bless you.
Well, if the listeners ever wanted a really great history lesson, you just got it. We'll be right back. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me, and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much, and it has been an honor to have you on the show. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. I'm so glad that David Barton came on to clear some things up. Wasn't that amazing, Todd? Yeah, that's that's one of the best interviews I think we've had uh, this season on the show. I mean, just really amazing. Uh, covers so many different things historically, and I feel educated. I don't know about you, Mark. I feel educated. Absolutely educated. As a matter of fact, I'm just so excited to post this interview so everybody can listen to it because we're not going to cut any of it out. It's so important. Um, We let David speak, and he was our only guest for a very good reason. I wanted to call attention to something. This is a Cato Institute poll, and this is what we're fighting against. Just came out on July 22nd. 62% of Americans say they have political views they're afraid to share. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what's happening right now. People are afraid. They're very afraid to say, for instance, they support the president or they're conservative or they're Christian. And I guess this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, right, Todd? About having the courage to stand up. They're they're afraid. They work for, probably a lot of people work for companies that have expressed social justice warrior views. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, those views are okay. If you have those views, you can be as loud as you want. On Facebook, you will never get uh, threatened by HR or anything like that. But the minute you talk about Christian views, uh, conservative views, you support the president, your job is in jeopardy, Mark. Right, and right. a lot of people are worried about that because we're in the middle of a pandemic, number one, but you know they got to feed their kids. They got to pay their bills. So they they're feel uh, bullied. That's yeah. what it is. They're bullied. Yeah, they are bullied. Absolutely. That's what's going on right now. I mean, the uh, high school baseball c- coach that just got fired because he told his players that President Trump is the president, he's been fired. <laughs> um, we... <laughs> And it's and ridiculous. It's, and it's ironic. It's ridiculous. And it's, it's scary at the same time because here on the other side of it, a University of Georgia teacher and also a BLM activist said that whites must die to end mm. racism. Mm. Well, that's where, I mean, that's, the, that's where these things head, Mark, because right. if, if you radicalize somebody enough and, you, and you, if somebody is sitting there digesting CNN, MSNBC, liberal talk shows all day long, mm-hmm. they're going to become radicalized now. And, uh, you know, that's why Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood and all these organizations are also, it's the same spirit that's behind them. And mm-hmm. uh, it's an antichrist spirit. And so somebody's going to get radicalized, demonized, because they're going to be pulled into this deception. And that's why ultimately they hate Christians. They don't even know why they hate Christians. They hate Christians because the spirit of living God is in the Christian, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit, you know, so they're, they're, they they're don't even know what it is. They just hate it. Yeah. And that's what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And he actually claims this, this uh, professor uh, that actually he claims he's not calling for violence, but he believes it still should remain as an option. See, because they can say whatever they want and then they're allowed to backtrack it. And so they're never held accountable for saying that the system must be burned down and all the other wonderful things they've said. And it's now getting to the point um, where they can say whatever they want. They're held accountable. 
And then, of course, if we say what we believe in our hearts so that we support the president, then that becomes, that, may, that qualifies us, Todd, as racist. Uh, just to support the president of the United States. My goodness. And this, by the way, this is the same president that rappers wanted to be like. They rapped about him. You mm-hmm. know, everybody was taking pictures with him. And, uh, you know, he won the, the Bridge Builder Award from, uh, from yeah. Jesse Jackson's organization. I mean, on and on and on. The man's dated an African-American woman. You know, it, 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 but now he's racist. And so, you know, that's it. He's racist for no, no reason. No, there's no evidence. It's, it's all a conspiracy. Just like the Russian collusion delusion was a conspiracy. Just like the Ukraine hoax was a conspiracy. They call us conspiracy theorists, but they're the ones pushing conspiracy, Mark. That's right. And they do it, they do it so well because they have the willing accomplices of the mainstream media right. pushing that narrative, putting falsehoods out there, putting inflammatory stories out there that aren't true. And if you, you know, Finally, people are coming around, though, because uh, there's calls within the Smithsonian, funny enough, uh, to, well, a congressman, one of our congressmen, uh, wants, wants the Smithsonian to remove the statue of Margaret Sanger because okay. she's, she's a racist. Uh, yeah. She obviously was, um, it's Representative Russ Fulcher of Idaho. Um, she's okay. in, he said he's, she, she was an avowed racist and a eugenist, and uh, she should not be featured so prominently in the Smithsonian. So, I mean, obviously, he received a lot of flack for that because he said something that was true. <laughs> I mean, really, now, when you say the truth, it's hate speech, right? Well, yeah, Christianity is hate speech. The truth is hate spe- speech. I mean, you know, you, you associate with the president, you're racist. Uh, you know, me, Margaret Sanger, I mean, I remember Hillary Clinton saying she admired Margaret Sanger. She was right. like someone she admired. And Actually, Margaret she Sanger, called her a hero. Yeah. And why, yeah. No one says anything about that. You know, imagine yeah. if they did a story, just one real reporter that did a story on who Margaret Sanger was. Why don't mm-hmm. we see any reporting on that? Well, I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. It's somebody they, they greatly admire her, you know, uh, in fact, Hillary said she, she admired her tenacity. Let's yeah. remember, let's remember who Margaret Sanger really was. This woman started an organization that is, that has murdered That's right. millions of millions of babies that were defenseless. So we've got to get back to the, we got to get back to the root cause of things and look at the truth because that. That's that's what's so that's what's that's what's not out there anymore. The truth has become elusive. Um, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We're excited to say that Larry Elder is going to join us next week, and we are also going to have a surprise guest come on as well. But we're excited. Larry's going to come on and talk about how his how his movie's doing so far, and just you know talk about current events as usual. He'll be entertaining. He is entertaining, funny. I'm excited to have him on, man. It'll be good. It'll be good to have him on. So as we always do before we close this, this show out, Todd, let's, uh, let's have a, a prayer for our nation and our listeners and that God protects us. Yes, Lord, we just thank you for those listening today that, Lord, uh, they, they are the remnant. They're the ones uh, that are listening to you know, the truth because the Bible says the truth sets the captive free. And so we just pray uh, that those with ears to hear that would hear this program and others like it, Lord, that they'd be awakened, they'd be sharpened in their faith, faith strengthened in their faith, and uh, ready to be about your business in this very important time in our history. And so we just pray an anointing, a special amount of energy, and Lord, no depression or oppression would be able to overtake the saints, but instead they'd be encouraged knowing that you are the God that sits on the throne. 
We mm. thank you. We pray for this great nation, our president, that you protect him. You put your armor around him. You give him wisdom and how to lead this country and that he would win again in 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Todd. Uh, well, we'll be back next week at the same time. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Anthony, your patriot. This is Todd Coconado, the preacher. Thank you for tuning in and God bless you. Ah!